Hear now a reading from Psalm 23. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. This is a familiar passage to many, and I invite you to read it with me wherever you are. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole long life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Death Valley in California is the lowest, driest, and hottest desert in the United States. Since we began keeping records, the hottest temperature in this country, 134 degrees, occurred there. And it isn't uncommon to have day after day of 120 degrees in the summer. The official brochure of Death Valley National Park warns potential guests. They write, summer starts early in Death Valley. By May, the valley is too hot for most visitors. Lodging and camping are available, but only the most hardy will want to camp in the low elevations in the summer. Most summer visitors tour by car to the main points of interest along the paved roads, but do little else due to the extreme heat. Yet, that dangerously high heat is exactly the reason many car makers send their prototype models to Death Valley in high summer. They want to see how the vehicles perform under its intense conditions. For example, in August 2011, a team of engineers from Kia put three of its new models, a sporty crossover and two seven-passenger SUVs, through a series of grueling tests. They included frequent starting and stopping, prolonged idling, towing 7,000-pound loads up and down the steep mountain roads that surround the valley, and leaving the cars in direct sun with the windows rolled up, and then clocking how long it took for the air conditioners to cool the interior. Of course, all this testing involves people, both inside and outside the cars, putting in 12-hour workdays five days a week. Even as a Florida boy, I don't like being outside or getting in and out of my car when it's 98 degrees and can't imagine working outside all day when it's 120 degrees. But there's a good reason for all this testing. To push the engines, transmissions, and other components to the limits to see how they handle it. Although the car companies know most of their vehicles, will never be in Death Valley-like conditions. They deliberately overtax them to help ensure their customers won't have problems in normal service. 
all this test driving in an extreme environment is to help customers trust their cars when driving in rough weather. And when we think of it in this way, it gives us a unique perspective on the 23rd Psalm that also talks about moving through a valley of death. Psalm 23 is one of the best known passages from the Bible. Many people who don't even read the Bible can quote at least a line or two from it. One of the places we most often hear this psalm is at funerals because it is a familiar passage that offers comfort to those who mourn. But it's important not to limit it to a funeral text because this psalm is more about living than dying. In the ancient world, shepherds were herders and tenders of sheep, but the word shepherd was also an important metaphor for describing the role of kings. Kings were supposed to tend their subjects, providing for their needs, guiding them from place to place, and protecting them from potential dangers. Unfortunately, many kings turned out to be lousy shepherds of their people. They were either terribly inept or selfishly focused on amassing more power and wealth for themselves. Regardless, when the author of Psalm 23 writes, the Lord is my shepherd, he was saying, the Lord is my king. So the psalmist is describing the kind of king that God is, how God tends to us, the people of his pasture. Consequently, the psalm also describes all of the good things that come to a person who surrenders to God and makes a decision to live under the rule of God, to live under the reign of God's righteousness. So, for example, because the Lord is a good shepherd and I am a member of his flock, I shall not be in want. I can trust that God will meet all my needs if I trust him and stay close to him. The references to lying down in green pastures, being led beside still waters, and fearing no evil in the valley of the shadow of death are poetic ways of saying that God, the good shepherd king, provides what I need to stay alive. Before I knew that I was going to preach on this text today, I was reading and praying about the truth of this passage. So much of our lives are driven by a scarcity mentality, driven by the fear that there is not enough, either I am not enough, I don't measure up in some way, or I don't have enough to be safe, secure, and content. I don't have enough time, or enough money, or enough power, or enough friends, or enough toys, or enough entertainment, or enough beauty, or enough health, or enough love, or enough attention, or enough fun, and the list can go on and on. The mentality is, I'm not truly happy, and the solution is to get more of something that will make me happy, something I don't have. But this way of thinking actually prevents us from being happy. <laughs> it makes us competitive, judgmental, greedy, envious, entitled, and ungrateful. It is a fundamentally self-centered view of the world that is based on a big lie that I don't have enough and therefore I cannot be happy in this moment. 
But all the great wisdom traditions of the world, including the wisdom revealed in the Old and New Testaments, is that the key to happiness is not getting more, but learning to see and receive the abundance of gifts we have already been given. It's like we have a huge warehouse filled to the brim with unwrapped presents given by God to us over the course of a lifetime. We hoard these gifts but never open them. Rather, we stand outside the warehouse like deprived children, screaming to the heavens, I need more to be okay. And God responds, you don't need more. You need to recognize, receive, enjoy, and share the millions of gifts that I have already given and continue to give every day. This is the only way to be truly happy, to be able to say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. We must remind ourselves every day, I have all that I need in this moment to be joyful and content. Now coming back to the main idea, the psalmist is teaching us in this passage that good things come to those who choose to live under the rule of God, who proves over and over to be a good shepherd. Being a good shepherd, God provides for all our needs so that we lack nothing. In addition, God protects us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This familiar and poetic phrasing is taken from the King James Version of the Bible. But when we look at the original Hebrew, this verse can also be translated, when I walk through a place of deep darkness. This helps us to understand the translation we read this morning in the New Revised Standard Version, which reads, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Again, this helps us to see that God is a good shepherd, not only because he provides for all of our needs so that we lack nothing, but also because God walks with us and guides us through the most difficult, troubled, and hard parts of life. God carries us through trauma, trial, and tribulation and delivers us safely to the other side. This allows us to say, through all the good times and the bad, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Because no matter what I go through, I don't have to do it alone and without resources. No, God abides with me, provides for me, guides me, protects me, and has mercy on me as the good shepherd. And one of the reasons that God can do all of this is because as the good shepherd, God knows the way. According to the psalmist, we don't have to be overcome with fear while in the dark valley because God is with us. God the good shepherd has a rod and a staff at the ready to help us. But what is perhaps even more important is that the shepherd has been through this valley before. Only a foolhardy shepherd would take his flock into a dark valley where he'd never been before. The only reason for leading sheep into or through a valley where there might be risk to the sheep is because the shepherd knows there is something the flock needs in the valley or at the other end of it. 
and that he can handle whatever threats to the sheep might occur there. We could say the shepherd has first taken a test drive in the valley of death and knows that the rod and staff will be sufficient to handle any threats there. In this way, Psalm 23 becomes a statement of confidence in God. Whether our dark valleys are times of trouble or the actual passage through death itself, we believe God is not only with us, but is more than equal to whatever threats to our spiritual well-being may lurk within that darkness. While this is not something we can prove to a skeptic with incontrovertible empirical evidence, it is the consistent testimony of the people of God in every generation going back thousands of years, including the testimony of the biblical writers. We can trust God when we navigate our dark valleys because, according to their testimony, God has already led countless numbers of people through their darkest valleys. God knows the way, and what God has done for others, God can do for us. If we trust Him, if we stay close to Him, if we receive His provision and protection and follow where He leads. According to the cloud of witnesses that has already gone before us, we can be confident in God's provision, protection, and guidance when it's so dark we cannot see the way forward. This is what the 23rd Psalm is all about. Indeed, it is what the whole book of Psalms is all about. The Psalms in general recount all sorts of human troubles, despair, and fears, but like a compass needle that keeps swinging back to the north, they keep coming back to the confidence that God is with us in the darkness. And that is not only a throwaway statement. I don't know about you, but when I go through dark valleys, it is often because I make bad choices. And when I make bad choices, it is easy for me to imagine God saying, depart from me. I mean, why in the world would God want to stay with me when I don't even want to stay with myself? When I am sure that my shameful thoughts and actions would send any normal person running for the hills. When we are really honest with ourselves, it is often easier to imagine God walking away from us when we find ourselves in dark places because uh, we assume others would do the same. So the claim that God does not abandon us in dark places, but abides with us in dark places to help us find our way out is usually hard to believe. We may want to believe it, but it's rare when we actually do believe it. And this is why it requires faith. The promise is given in scripture and in the testimony of the people of God in generations past, and we are called to take a leap of faith to risk trusting this truth that God stays with us in the dark valley no matter what we do or what others do to us. And as we trust this promise, we find new courage, strength, and hope to keep moving forward. So the whole book of Psalms is a call to place our confidence in God as the Good Shepherd, even when, especially when, 
we enter the darkest parts of life. Another powerful example of this is found in Psalm 139, which says, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the realm of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Again, this is the testimony of someone who's been through some dark valleys. And this person invites us to believe that our experience in the valley will be similar if we trust God. It's important to note that putting our trust in God is not the same as mustering up belief in a set of doctrines formulated by the authorities of a church, nor does it mean repressing all doubt and being deluded by wishful thinking. Rather, it means relying more than what our fears tell us. I want to say that again. Putting our faith in God requires us to rely on more than what our fears tell us. And this leads us to our final point. Confidence in God doesn't change the facts about the world, but it does change the conclusions we draw about those facts. For example, two people can look at the same facts and arrive at opposite conclusions. One man might look at the dark valleys in life and conclude, there is no God. If there were, he'd never have let us go through such troubles. But another person can look at those same dark valleys and say, it's so comforting that God has gone through them first so that we can trust him to shepherd us while we're walking through them ourselves. You see, same facts, different interpretations. Part of the miracle of faith is that it gives us a new perspective, and this new perspective generates new possibilities. As you live your life this week, remember the testimony of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If you trust this promise, then you will not be overcome by the darkness. The promise is not that God will prevent you from walking through dark valleys, but that as you walk through dark valleys, you will find God there, and he will, make, he will help you make it through to the other side. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we are grateful for the hope that we find in the Psalms especially in the 23rd Psalm that we read this morning. And we ask God that as we go through difficult times, as we walk through dark valleys in our lives, that you will help us not to be overwhelmed with fear, but that you will remind us of the promise that you are with us, that you will provide for all of our needs, that you will protect us from the worst dangers, and that you will guide us to a better and brighter day. 
We pray that you will help us to take the promises of the 23rd Psalm and not only affirm them in our heads, but allow them to sink into our hearts, into the depths of our souls, so that when we need to hear this promise the most, it will be there to give us comfort and hope and strength. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.